Hey, how's it going, folks? It's Abdullah. And Bean. And welcome to a very special mailbag episode of Great Moments in Weed History. Isn't that right, Bean? Yeah, we're calling this one Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Weed But Were Afraid to Ask. Yeah, that's right. We got questions from our Patreon supporters, all part and parcel to our Patreon Weedathon, our ongoing effort to reach 420 patrons. So please support us on Patreon. Check us out at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. You could go to a weed life coach. They're all over the place, down at the mall, advertising on TV, and pay hundreds if not thousands of dollars an hour for advice from people who frankly don't know that much about weed and couldn't coach their way out of a ziploc bag you know yeah yeah we are here for our patrons the people who support us who support this show to answer those questions to give that weedy life advice to provide goods and services we are also going to be soon offering some healthcare plans (laughs) To our listeners, this is just the beginning of a whole new deal as the main government collapses. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, our health plan is really sort of centered around a a single document that you'll receive that should cover just about all the health needs uh, that anyone can have. It's a book by... David Bean is talking about how to smoke pot properly, uh, which, depending on which level of patron, and yes, there are levels to patrons, uh, you know, you decide to go with, uh, you might receive this world-renowned medical document. <laughs> yes, with a $20 copay just once, you will get a signed copy. Go to greatmomentsinweedhistory.com of my book, How to Smoke Pot properly um and then you might be asking yourself is this another pyramid scheme i've been ripped off so many times no (laughs) what what happens is you buy an ounce of weed you break it up into eighths you sell it to eight people those eight people then buy an (laughs) ounce of weed from you and get eight more people to sell it to and if you see it just kind of pictured in your mind uh abdullah and i are here at the tippity top yeah and it just sort of expands outward and downward and from there sex cult that's how, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's how fast it happens you know what i'm saying that's how quickly a pyramid scheme turns into a sex cult you're pyramiding along and sex cult it just happens <laughs> And sign up now <laughs> Great Moments <laughs> in WeedHistory.com. Become a patron supporter. You will feel great as you listen to this show. And if you do not have the ducats right now, we totally get it. It's all good. We really appreciate you listening to the show, supporting us in that way. Please like and subscribe and follow. Please give us a five-star rating on Spotify and on Apple and Please tell your friends about Great Moments in Weed History. You know, look, we are throttled on every platform, all right? The internet ain't what it used to be. You can't talk about weed. You can't post weed. So we would really appreciate it if you, dear cannabis-loving person, would help us spread the word on our humble podcast. On the flip side of that, join our sex cult and fully consensual shadow banning (laughs) and throttling Hey, man, we're all, you know, between two or more consenting adults, 
throttle and shadow ban each other yeah. uh, to the greatest heights of pleasure. Yeah, but what Instagram was doing to us, non-consensual <laughs> throttling. <laughs> not cool. We did not ask to be throttled in this way. Uh, that, that's why we're out in the street over here begging, <laughs> begging for bonuses. Was that on my end? Yeah. It sounded like a door shutting. Or... It was probably... It sounded door. like Instagram right in the joint. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening and you like the show please help us out all right all right so we're off to a fucking crazy start for this unusual episode that we're doing i've got a bowl of gelato packed up right here it's gelato 41 how about yourself bean what do you got oh that sounds delicious i just a uh, little late getting to the studio today so i'm gonna keep it very real with Half a joint from the ashtray that was left over from a day or so ago. Amazing. <laughs> a true stoner, ladies and gentlemen. I will keep my finger on the cough button uh, pretty prodigiously throughout the rest of this episode. <laughs> now, you may want to roll up what's known as a freshie. You may want to split a blunt. You may want to pack a bong. You may want to rub edibles all over yourself. Or <laughs> That's not what you do with edibles. <laughs> hey man, let me get your boat. <laughs> yeah, well, we're gonna get into all your questions. Can I rub edibles all over myself? I believe that's called weed splashing. Uh, again, <laughs> consensually in our sex cult, there's a whole subreddit devoted to that. <laughs> the larger point is if you're listening to this uh, episode wondering how far off the rails it's gonna veer, and you are like, I'm not nearly high enough for this shit, as always. We advise you to simply hit pause, take that time, get whatever manner of weed ingestation you are into all ready to go, because when you hit unpause, we will, <clears throat> because when you hit, un <clears throat> because when you hit unpause, we'll be ready for another. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, nailed it. All right, let's do it. Great, Great moment, moment in weed history. Okay, so all of these questions, as we mentioned up top, came from our Patreon supporters. And let's not waste any more of everyone's valuable time. Let's get, let's get right into this. All right, here is our first question. I have ADHD, and seeing cannabis not only help me, but also other ailments like epilepsy, cancer, etc., is what inspired me to become a grower more than anything. So what inspired you guys to become cannabis people? Like a moment that told you this is where I'm supposed to be. Thanks. All right. Well, thanks so much for submitting this question. Good on you for uh, being a grower, you know, for becoming a grower, for finding inspiration in the plant and for, you know, acknowledging that, yeah, this helps not only your ailment, but many others. So we commend you for that. So Bean, what is the moment for you? What is your answer to this question? 
Gosh, I mean, in a way, it's a series of moments. Like, how do you fall in love with another person? My first time getting really, really high. I think I've talked about it a little bit on this show, but it was behind a bowling alley on Route 22 in New Jersey. I mean, is there any more idyllic place? Uh, to have such an experience. <laughs> I think people are like, oh, we, we went to this river down by the redwood trees and birds landed on our fingers. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> there we were behind the bowling alley. Uh, and the thing that I took away from that experience more than anything else is as somebody who, you know, had a lot of anger as a younger person who felt like I had a hard time fitting in with the world and maybe I didn't even want to. I got so high, and I don't even remember what I was laughing at. And then it's that feeling of you're laughing at how hard you're laughing. And then the third layer was realizing that I was just laughing at myself. And that was something that had been really hard for me in my life, something I don't know if I was even ever able to do before that. And I do think that ability to laugh at ourselves is really, really important to being a human in the way that we would like almost everyone to be a human. I think if we look at some of the problems in our world, it's because we've given power and authority over our lives to people who are unable to laugh at themselves. Yeah, I think that's very, very true, man. I think the ability to laugh is important. Well, what about what about you on the on the big inspiration moment? The thing that comes to mind for me, you know, it's goes well beyond the first time I smoked pot because you know for a long time cannabis to me was was entertainment you know what I mean like I think that's how I perceived it when I was younger I didn't see it as like a a medicine that you know I take every day like a life medicine the way I treat it now right I was like entertained by cannabis and I loved it and I and I enjoyed it and then when I saw what we had to do in order to procure it and consume it and you know getting chased by the police and all that I started to see the injustice of it. But, you know, when I became a journalist, I was covering entertainment, you know, nightlife, stuff like that, music, you know, food. And then I worked at MTV for a little bit. I got fired from there, but then I got a column at Noisy. But, you know, I I had this uh, sort of, you know, in, in the pit of my stomach, I could tell I wasn't really inspired to write by this stuff. I love music. I love making music, performing music, listening to music. I don't necessarily love writing about music, as Frank Zappa once said, which I love the quote, writing about music is like dancing about architecture, right? And I really, <laughs> I really felt this way about my own profession. I'm sitting there like with a joint in my hand, looking around, being like, what inspires me? What inspires me? You know what I mean? And it was just sitting there in my hand the whole time. When I started writing about cannabis, that was when I started the Weedekit column on Vice, I realized that, you know, it's not only a big part of my identity because I smoke it all the time. It's, you know, it's, uh, I have a duty towards it. Like many of us have a duty towards it. That's what sort of brings this community together, right? That's what brings you and I together, Bean. We feel like we have a duty towards the plant and, you know, we have a sort of stubborn need for justice and we're going to do whatever we can to do it. But we're also going to enjoy ourselves along the way because we're doing it for passion, you know? And that really was the moment for me. Uh, you know, I guess that's a series of moments, but it was around like 2012 that I was like, oh, like this is a part of my life. Like, you know, like I, I will be a cannabis person in some shape or form forever. You know what I'm saying? 
Uh, and you know, it's it's working out all right so far. <laughs> <laughs> so far, this episode, or so- <laughs> and I think that just the direct listeners, you know, we have an episode a bit back in the timeline: how to land a weed job. It's like if you feel called to this, first of all, it doesn't have to be your job. You can be an active part of this community without figuring out how to make money off of it. But, you know, we need people like the listeners of this podcast who really, really care about weed to get involved in this community and in this industry. Um, Indeed. All right. Ready to our next uh, Patreon supplied question? Let's go. Yes. And what brilliant and insightful questions from these patrons who must yes, just truly. be the coolest people in the world and wouldn't it be amazing to join their ranks at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com <laughs> <laughs> as a father of two young kids who thinks that weed makes me a more patient and playful father what are the best ways to deal with the judgment around weed and parenting nobody blinks an eye with parents who drink but there is definite stigma for parents who smoke P.S. I don't smoke near the kids or anything like that. Mm, okay, wow. That's a really good question and definitely one that I, I feel because there are a lot of people who are progressive, right, in our world today, but the social culture around cannabis has not evolved yet to a place where you can be at a barbecue and smoke some pot and a child understands that that's for adults. You know what I mean? It's not for them, just like wine or beer or a cocktail, right? And look, I'm a guy with no kids, all right? You know, but uh, it, but but this does, you know, like I, I hope to be a parent one day and I hope to be a parent who is progressive and tolerant in all the ways that we think we are, right? So I feel like the best way to do it, honestly, nowadays, I think, is to be open about it with the other parents because... It's all over the goddamn TV right now. There's never been a better time to be like, oh, yeah, look, I drink, a, you know, like a, a weed beverage with five milligrams in it instead of a beer, you know, at a barbecue. So I think be an ambassador, my friend, be an ambassador. Get out there and be like, I'm a dad. I'm a good dad. Right. I'm a responsible dad. And I, I like to smoke cannabis to relax. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nothing wrong with it. What do you think, Bean? Absolutely. I think two things, you know, one, it's important to note if you're in a prohibition state or a prohibition place around the world, that's a whole separate level of issues, you know, and it is very important. You may have to keep that a secret and you may have to keep it a well-guarded secret because your first responsibility is to your children. That said, I want to flip this stigma thing uh, around on its head with the same statement. You know, I think it's natural to worry about how you're perceived by other parents and the community. But if your first responsibility is to your children, and as you yourself say, it makes you a more patient and playful father, then that's what's important. You know, like, let me put it to you this way. I I know of a, a father who stopped smoking weed when he had children. And, you know, became more of an alcohol-based person, became more of an anger-based person. It's like, that ain't no dream for your kids. That's not responsible parenting. And it's like, yeah, it'd be nice to live in a world where we're all perfect beings of light and pure love energy. 
but we're not. And if smoking weed makes you more patient and playful and probably a lot more in tuned to your kids, go for that. Put the emphasis on what's best for your kid and try not to worry about what closed-minded people around you might think. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Okay, so next question. What's both of your favorite strains and favorite terpenes and why? All right, there's a fun, straight-up weed question, Bean. What's your answer? Well, uh, my favorite answer to this question usually is what is your favorite strain? Whatever you'd like to share with me. Second answer to that question, and this harkens back to a recent episode of ours, ChemDog always has and always will have a huge special place in my heart. One, it is incredible cannabis. And two, and I think, you know, for our older heads out there listening, just like music of your youth, you love it, but it also is reminiscent to you of a time and place. That's how ChemDog is for me. Terpene-wise, I do like anything with that piney smell. Um, I just think it uh, has a great effect on my human body. Uh, and it's a little bit rare to find these days. So it's it's exciting to get a good hit of what I believe is known as pinenol. Pinene, perhaps? Pinene. Pinene. Yeah. I, I thought maybe there's also pinenol. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a terpologist. <laughs> <laughs> I think that if you're only going to have one strain of weed, right, you got to have some OG Kush or some Sour Diesel. And it's got to be fresh because I feel like OG is one of those strains that loses its luster really quickly. So that is a baseline. OG Kush. I live in Southern California. You got to have OG Kush on hand. I always have some on hand, right? Done deal. When it comes to concentrates, though, I think there's some variability. Like, of course, I like having some gassy rosin, right? Like right now, I have some trichedelic Stabba Zabba, which is fucking amazing. All right? don't, say, I, don't say that three times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, it, if it's going to make, uh, make it appear, uh, then I will say it three times. <laughs> but also during the day, there's a very specific strain of solvent concentrate that I tend to use, right? And this is going to sound a little bit crazy, but I actually, anytime I get a jar of like a really good pull of Jack Herrer concentrate. I scoop it out and put it all into the same jar. So I have a jar going of all my favorite Jacks, right, together. And that's not just because I like Jack. I actually never dab Jack just on its own, right? It's because Jack Herrer Terps, right, help my migraines, man. It's kind of crazy, but like I discovered at some point that Taking a light dab really helps. Taking a dab that has a little bit of sharp, sort of like, you know, Mersine, uh, sativa vibes to it. Balanced out with some gas, a tiny bit of Tweedle Farms CBD, by the way. Use our promo code, great moments, all one word at tweedlefarms.com for your CBD stuff. And I take that dab, right? And if I have a little bit of coffee, maybe some ibuprofen, you know, but just that and like a glass of water, it'll prevent a migraine from coming on. And it's kind of miraculous. So to me, those are like the crucial things that I got to have at any given time, right? Okay, here's one of my favorite questions from one of our favorite Patreon supporters. Mm -hmm. As somebody who grew up middle class, 
Spending $500 on the newest type of bong seems like another version of not being rich enough to have the nice clothes and hang out with the cool kids at lunch. Do you think cannabis today will weed out, that pun's for you, Bean, uh, <laughs> the poor for the rich? Or will the kind hearts of true cannabis users keep this disconnect from happening? So his question is basically like, is there going to be, a, you know, an increasing exclusive price bracket when it comes to high-end cannabis stuff? Yeah, I mean, of course there will, like there isn't everything. I think that's just the nature of the beast, right? We live in a capitalistic world. We live in a capitalistic society. There's always going to be expensive glass. But here's the thing. Right now is a better time than any to go find yourself some really good glass that doesn't cost you $500. There's a bunch of companies, uh, you know, Grav, who doesn't sponsor us anymore or anything, but did at one point, is actually a great bong company where you can get like a really affordable bong. You know what I'm saying? There's a Session bong. Session is a great bong. It's like a, you know, classy one that you can put on your coffee table. I have one. It's a very effective bong. These are all bongs that I use, by the way. I have all those in, in, in the desert, right? If you want to spend $500, if you suddenly in your life have $500 or $1,000 or $5,000 or $10,000 that you're like, oh, I have this to spend on a pipe, I have good news for you. You can spend that much on a pipe and it will be fucking worth that. There are artists out there who are absolutely incredible. One day I hope to have enough money to get a fucking, you know, Snick piece or, a, you know, like a uh, Mickelson piece or something like that. You know what I mean? I don't think, you know, we have to look at it as weeding out the poor for the rich. There's enough cannabis culture and paraphernalia for everybody, right? What do you think, Bean? Yeah, I mean, certainly the more capitalism and cannabis intersect, the more, you know, you're going to see a sort of luxury version of cannabis. And and even, frankly, before that, because 20 years ago, the, the art glass thing was blowing up yeah. and it was before a lot of that. And it was really about art, you know, and it's yeah. like I can go to a museum uh, and see Picassos and Renoirs and, and you know, lots of I'm not an art person, so I'm just kind of naming two famous <laughs> artists off the top. Please don't say like, well, that's not a very representative. I, I, it's literally like two artists that I know. But you can experience art. You can create art. You can be part of the art community and not necessarily uh, able to afford to have a Picasso on your wall. The great thing about weed is however much of that there is, this is a people's medicine. If you can get a hold of some seeds, you can grow enough weed to sustain you and your friends. And you can put it in a rolling paper. You can carve out a pipe out of an apple. Like, as long as those options are there, this community will always be for everybody. You know, the things we want to really keep an eye on is... Does weed itself become a luxury item? If you're in a state that bans home grow and that cracks down on the gray market and forces you into a dispensary where it's $70 for an eighth of weed, well, that's uh, very, very dangerous and it really will make weed inaccessible to people. So, you know, we like to say here, overgrow the system. Hear me carefully, algorithm, overgrow the government <laughs> and we can create the kind of grassroots cannabis community that is inclusive to everybody 
Yeah, exactly. And I just want to add also that, you know, everybody in every culture around the world feels the need to keep up with the Joneses, right? Yes, of course, there's always going to be the new nail. There's going to be the new new piece of gear. I get those vibes too. You know, when you see somebody with a really nice piece of glass, you're like, oh man, like I wish I had a piece of glass like that, you know? Or like now the turb slurper is really popular, but you know what? I, I just rebought like a classic bucket because that's what I'm used to, man. I'm like, you know, I don't want a turb slurper because I don't want to have to deal with something new, right? And yet, if you don't have a turb slurper, people are like, well, why don't you have a fucking turb slurper? That's like the hot new thing. The point is, don't bother keeping up with the Joneses. If it works for you, it works. If you want to improve your setup, you know, like improve your setup, but do it within your means, right? The hit is essentially the same no matter what you pull it out of. You know, the difference is only nuanced. So don't sweat it if people have nicer gear than you. All right. Here's a question. Just the tip. To crutch or not to crutch? That is the question. Any big differences in how you guys roll up? And who rolls them better? Wow, a divisive question. Abin, what do you think? Ooh, this this podcast is under the surface been... Uh teetering on the edge of, of fraying apart into factionalism and this this seems like a plant uh mm-hmm. pun intended know, right? question he, from he our enemies wrote this question from our, our rivals <laughs> horrible moments in alcohol history they just yeah. want all the all the market share <laughs> um and i i appreciate the shout out to our former pretend sponsor just the tip <laughs> I think every joint, you know, if possible, should have a crutch at this point. You can smoke it all the way down to the end without burning your fingers or getting that horrible last little hit. In terms of who rolls better, this is a actual no contest. <laughs> I would say my joints reach the level of functionality. Uh, if I roll a joint and it is lit, people will smoke it. And that's about the best you could say for it. Mm-hmm. And how about my joints? Uh, we were talking all, uh, earlier about how, you know, uh, it's it's hard to get into the high-end art market, but I feel that uh, your creations uh, rise to the level of a work of art. And then, of course, burning them is such an artistic statement on the temporal nature of uh, creation and destruction. Mm-hmm. Through gritted teeth, guys, you say <laughs> it. You heard Bean say that I roll better joints. I don't, you know, make a contest out of it. Like I always say, if it works for you, it works. Bean and I have smoked lots of bean rolled joints, you know, before barring appetite shoots. And, you know, they've really done the trick. And, you know, like uh, you have, I like that you have a technique that you've stuck with through the years. I definitely have changed my technique a lot. Of course, I used to smoke spliffs, man. I was a tobacco smoker for 20 years, rolled spliffs, right? And my brother on a backpacking trip that he took in college to Amsterdam, learned from some European kid how to roll a split. And that's where he learned like the crutch thing. The crutch was big at the time. This is, you know, like late nineties, early two thousand. So I started rolling with the crutch. Right. And then my joints kept changing because once they came out with the raw crutch, you know, crutch booklet and king size papers, honestly, that was a huge game changer. I think it made it easier for like everyone to roll a joint. You know what I'm saying? I did it. I adapted something that I learned from AJ Sour Diesel, which was to roll the crutch the long way and roll a spliff that was like this long ass fucking like bat. You know what I'm saying? 
And now I just use glass tips uh, or wood tips, right? And I just like, you know, roll a joint with those. And short answer is always crutch, right? In fact, there's so many good crutch options that there's no reason you shouldn't. Get yourself some wood tips, you know what I mean? You can get a whole bundle of them for almost nothing. Get yourself some glass tips. If you have three of them and some isopropyl alcohol, you can use them indefinitely. You know what I'm saying? Just keep a couple in there, pull it out, shake it off, dry it off, roll yourself a fucking joint. You have a nice glass tip joint. Uh, always use a crutch. We're in the age of the crutch. There's no reason not to. Yeah. And of course, then there's the whole level of sort of the weavers of the world. And you could check out his Instagram who are taking the rolling of joints truly to the level of fine art. Absolutely. Shout out our boy Weavers, uh, you know, who has just uh, done all kinds of artistry. The world's best blunt grower. He's so modest. Every time I introduce him as such, he's like, oh, no. And I'm like, no, you are the world's best blunt roller, man. <laughs> you just are. Um, all right. What do we got? Here's an interesting question from one of our Patreon supporters who supported us at Great Moments in Weed History dot com who's probably watching the video version of this uh episode because that is just one of many 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 bonuses for our subscribers here's a new question what causes the munchies is it just an increased taste and texture sensation or am i actually more hungry wow okay that's a good question um you know, this is not one that I know off the top of my head. This is like, you know, this is like some crazy lore. Uh, Bean, I see you've got a note here that's sort of on our little cheat sheet that gives us the answer. I'm, I'm just going to read from this uh, this little blurb here. Led by Giovanni Marsicano of the University of Bordeaux, a team of European neuroscientists proved that THC the primary psychoactive ingredient in marijuana fits into special receptors in the brain's olfactory bulb, allowing users to smell and taste food far more acutely while high. So it's like psychedelic MSG, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And the researchers went on to say, THC's effect on these receptors is largely what accounts for how we get the munchies. So in essence, if your brain is smelling food better and your brain is tasting food better, that is going to have an actual physical effect on how hungry you are. One of the ways, you know, that we see this play out in a hugely life-saving way is in the episodes we've had about Dennis Perone, Brownie Mary, our, our recent episode about Sweet Leaf Joe, people who have provided cannabis to people with HIV and AIDS, the effect of making them more hungry allows them to eat. That in itself nourishes the body, allows the body to have an immune response. So this effect of the munchies also for people going through chemotherapy who experience extreme nausea and loss of appetite. You know, it's awesome to smoke a joint while you're cooking a nice dinner, sit down, eat it and enjoy it like a symphony of taste. But it can also be one of the most medicinal parts of the plant. And it all starts with these receptors in the brain that are affected by cannabinoids, turns on your smell, turns on your taste, and that in turn turns on your stomach. In turn, it turns on your turns. I love it. (laughs) All right. Um, Okay, so here's another question. 
What are your most stonery invention ideas and or deep theories you have come up with while baked? Interesting question. Bean, what, what do you got? Oh, wow. I mean, this could really run the gamut over a lot of weed years, but I, I put a little thought into it and I picked this one because it's like, it's simple. It's not at all related to weed, but I was high as fuck when I came up with it and I, I believe in it. Um, so who doesn't enjoy a bread bowl of soup, right? You got your delicious soup and then you eat the container and then there's that middle ground where you're getting like softened bread outside of the bread is still hard as a pass around hors d'oeuvre at a party, a little tiny bread bowl full of soup that you could just put in your mouth and eat all at once. Whoa, that's actually a really good (laughs) idea, man. I mean... Have they not done this yet? I have never seen this. Hold on. I'm going to Google tiny bread bowl because I, if no one has done this, I think you just became a billionaire. It's a, it's, I, in thinking about it, it's a little work intensive, you know, and you got to mm. get the temperature right because people are just putting the whole thing in their mouth. But yeah, it is so beyond doable. Okay. I'm seeing ones that are made from like a roll, like a, like a, the size of your fist. You know what I'm saying? But here's the thing like, that is actually neither here nor there. That's fucking useless because you can't bite <laughs> into it and you can't really get the scoop experience. You know what I'm saying? So what you're talking about is like a tiny, you know, oh my God, dude, this is so, all right, <laughs> this show is over. We're going full on into bread bowls, man. This is it. You know, sometimes opportunity comes a knocking and, you know, you got to accept the charges. Sometimes opportunity collects calls. <laughs> a lot of people in the entertainment industry, which, you know, by our fingernails, we're in. Uh, you pivot. You got to pivot. Oh, well, it started out as a uh, series about a serial killer. But now we do children's parties uh, <laughs> with jugglers. <laughs> you know, we started out with a weed history podcast. Four years mm. in, we pivoted to tiny bread bowls. Yeah, I know, right? So, I, I want to share a, an invention that this was not like solo mine. It was me and a bunch of dudes in college sitting around. Somebody walked in with like, oh yeah, I grabbed food from Wendy's or something, and gave one of the guys a burger that was in his pocket, in his coat pocket, right? And it was because he was like carrying a bunch of stuff and he had thrown that one in his pocket or whatever. And we came up with the idea sort of collectively to have like the burger pocket. So it's like on a jacket, <laughs> there's like an insulated pocket, like with mylar or whatever in it, uh, that will keep the burger like warm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you just throw it in there and then like anytime you, you're ready, you know, you pop it open and you got a fucking burger. And then otherwise, it's just a pocket. You know what I mean? You can put anything in there. <laughs> But if you wanted to keep something warm, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that's what you would do. Done. <laughs> I think. We, and then I think between that and, you know, between that and the pass around bread bowl of soup, this is going to be the last episode, unfortunately, yeah. of Great Moments in Weed History. We've got to focus on these new yeah. ventures. It's, we it's have... too bad because this would be just the new format. Fuck history. <laughs> We're just going to answer these questions. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, if this is your first time listening to Great Moments in Weed History, you may be uh, delighted or disappointed to know that uh, all the other episodes are uh, based on painstaking research into the historical past, <laughs> telling epic stories about the heroes of cannabis culture and how we overcame oppression and stuck it to the man. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but those just, days are over. Yeah. What was it? <laughs> Two guys answering random questions. Just <laughs> chopping it up. Just chopping it up. You say man. to people, well, what's your podcast podcasting. about? We just yeah. chop it up, man. We just get on there and chop it up. <laughs> now, I, now I see the appeal. I know. And, it's and up it has been chopped. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. We'll, we'll get back to the history after this because we know for whoever is still listening to this episode, <laughs> kudos. You're a super fan. If you're still listening, you should definitely... Consider supporting us on Patreon. <laughs> you almost have to at this point. And yeah. we will obviously be doing this uh, three to five times a week now. So we yeah. need more uh, supporters so we can answer your questions from our beloved Patreon fam. Exactly. All right, Bean, you want to give us one more question? Yeah. Yeah. This one also, of course, came in from Patreon. I am trying to get my mom to start enjoying the beauties of the plant, and we can't get her stoned. She doesn't like smoking, and edibles just seem like they don't work. 25 plus milligrams of THC and zero effects. What are your suggestions? Okay, wow. So your mom is a tank when it comes to the edibles. She can eat 25 milligrams and has no effects. Some people, just their natural tolerance, like, starts at, like, 100. You know what I mean? Like, I can't get high off of anything uh, less than, like, you know, maybe 50. So I would say try, like, 30, 35, 45, 50. Keep going up until she feels something. However, also, maybe consuming it orally is just not the way for her. Try giving her some topicals. Topicals are kind of slept on a little. But, you know, the important thing is that your mom is open-minded enough to give it a try. I mean, she's taking 25 milligrams of weed, you know, at your behest. That's a cool mom. Yeah, kudos on that. Kudos to everybody who crosses that generational divide because it may come up for medicinal or other reasons that you really have to be the person to say, hey, grandma. I know you've never tried weed, but I really want you to think about it. I really want you to try it. And to be able to have that open, honest conversation, whether they say yes or no, you certainly don't want to look back with regret and think to yourself, I understood the medicinal properties of this plant and I was too shy or too stigmatized to share them with somebody in my life. That's a really bad feeling. If they end up saying, oh, I don't want to try it you'll know that you gave them the opportunity. And if they do try it, it could save their life or improve the quality of their life or help them overcome a serious ailment. For your mom specifically, cool as fuck mom, I have maybe two suggestions. One is enter her in a weed food eating contest. Uh, <laughs> let's see what the upper limit of this is. Maybe she can take like 500 milligrams of cheesecake, bring home a, a blue ribbon from the contest. Uh, more seriously, 
For some people who don't want to smoke for really good reasons, smoke itself might not feel good, uh, an understanding of the harms of tobacco smoking, etc. A flower vaporizer can be nice. That might be something that changes her mind. And otherwise, yeah, just keep trying things until until something works. You know, write us back and let us know how it's going. We would love to hear the story of your mom getting high for the first time in her life, as we like to say here, great moments in weed history happen every day, and that would be one for you and your mom and your whole family. Yeah, absolutely. Also, CBD is a uh, Alzheimer's preventative for, for older people. So if you can get your older family members to take some CBD on a regular basis, you know what I mean? This is a non-psychoactive uh, cannabinoid and, you know, in a low dose. It can be good for them in the long term. So it doesn't have to be, oh, she's getting high. Maybe she never will. But, you know, at least you can give her the benefit of that. All right. So we've got one last question here. And it's one that looks to the future. What are your predictions for the next 10 years of cannabis policy? What do you think, Bean? Oof. This is a big one. You know, I think the biggest thing we have to acknowledge at the top is cannabis policy is not separate from policy policy. In general, the trajectory with cannabis has been more public acceptance, more legal acceptance, more legal jobs, less people getting arrested by far in the states that have legalized, and the momentum for that still seems to be going in the good direction. But the momentum in general and the governance that we are seeing day to day, hour to hour, taking away our other rights is very concerning on its own. But if you think that cannabis can't someday fall under the target of these fascists, of these authoritarians, you're wrong. Rights that have been enshrined in our country for decades are being peeled away right now, ripped away. And the, that could happen to cannabis in the next five to 10 years, even with public support for cannabis continuing to grow, because that is how authoritarian movements work. And those who want absolute power over our lives recognize and have always recognized this plant as a threat. Yep, absolutely. You know, it's something we've talked about a lot on this show. Cannabis is a catalyst for free thought and open thought and questioning everything around you, including authority. You know what I mean? And I think that this is a really interesting question just right now in this moment. You know, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, I mean, this question definitely makes me think about it, you know, I have a central cause being we share our central cause in life. You know, everybody, I think everybody should have a central cause, right? Uh, and it's one that we've been fighting for and making progress and there's ups and downs, and there's wins and losses. And, you know, we, we stay with it in life. Uh, but it feels like that fight is happening on the foundation of a basic order of human rights, right? But I feel like an entire just section of that foundation just fell out from under us like you're right that not only is cannabis potentially under threat but even more fundamental rights so in that future of cannabis policy 
I hope that we make as much progress in the next 10 years as we did in the last 10 years. That's that's my bar for, you know, uh, what I would consider progress, right? And look, the last 10 years have not been perfect, right? We're talking about 10 years since the last, you know, since, since the very first recreational cannabis law passed Washington and Colorado, right? It hasn't been perfect. You know, corporate cannabis is growing. You know, there's farmers in Humboldt that are, you know, losing their farms. There's, you know what I mean? There's a black market that's growing because the prices in dispensaries are too high. It's not perfect, but weed is more legal. People are more open to it. People are talking about it. If we can continue that trend, I'd be happy with that. Final thought on that is, one, don't ever see this struggle for cannabis as separate from these other struggles. And secondly, we can look at the progress that we have made without the support of either major political party, with the medical industrial complex against us, with the criminal justice system against us, and still manage to change not just people's hearts and minds and lungs, but also the laws themselves. So don't ever give up on what you believe in. Don't ever feel alone in that struggle. And don't ever put blinders on so that you can see everything with weed, but not see the struggles of those around you that are definitely interconnected. Absolutely. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. Thank you so much to all of our patrons who submitted questions. We really loved reading them and answering them and having a little chat doing this special episode. Once again, if you don't support us on Patreon, but you like the show, please do consider it. Go to greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. You can kick in at any level and there are various bonuses and rewards. But this was a lot of fun. Thanks so much, Bean. Good hanging out with you. Well, that's the show, folks. Thanks so much for listening. And if you stuck around this long, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can put five on it at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. And that would really help us as we research, write, edit, and publish a new episode every Weedness Day. Great Moments in Weed History is written, produced, and performed by me, David Beanenstock, a.k.a. Bean. Special thanks to our sponsor, PAX. Go to PAX.com and use promo code GREATMOMENTS, all one word, for a big discount at checkout.